tonight's Frida from Gender Nebulous podcast. It's just me at the moment. Um, and the reason I wanted to do this little intro is because I decided to interview somebody who was on the gender critical side of the spectrum. And that person was Aesop White, who I'd followed a little bit on Twitter and I'd had a few little arguments with. But she she seemed to be in it, have some interesting opinions and she wasn't just nasty or anything like that. She She genuinely had some points to make. No, I disagree with those points. I think some of them are coming from a negative place, which is fine. You know, I don't have to agree with her and she doesn't have to agree with me. I'm sure she feels the same way about me when I'm, you know, mouthing off on Twitter, which I do. But but what it demonstrates is that on Twitter, we are, you know, polarised. But when we talk to people on, one, on a one-to-one basis, we can kind of maybe find something interesting to talk about because these opinions don't come from nowhere you know the the gender critical argument isn't coming it isn't just imagined you know it does exist and we need we need to understand why it exists and, and where it's coming from so that's what i wanted to do i hope you enjoy it and i hope you you know understand the value of it like i did so thank you and this is the interview Hi, it's Frida here for Gender Nebulous Podcast, and today I'm talking to Isolt. 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 I knew I'd get that wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Isolt. You go, uh, Miss Frida. Isolt White. And the reason I wanted to have this conversation, because we had a few ding-dongs on Twitter. <laughs> and and I thought, How did we even end up following each other? I don't know. Anyway, but, but, do I. but I wanted to talk to somebody who was on the turfy spectrum, and I did think you were kind of on the gender critical side of things. and But the reason I liked the way you, you were a bit more considered in the way that you tweeted. And you were a bit more kind of, you weren't insulting, you weren't nasty, so but you had some points to make. So I thought you might be interesting to talk to from this point of view. How do you feel about being called a turf? I think turf is a slur. It's used to belittle women, to silence women, to shut them up. And it's used a lot by misogynist men on Twitter. And so anytime people call me a turf, mm. you know, I call them out on it. Now, if if women themselves want to call themselves turfs, that's, you know, people want to reclaim words, whatever. I, I actually sometimes think this whole thing of reclaiming words is Hmm. nonsense so, so where would you position yourself in the debate what what was it that kind of got you sort of thinking along these like because I know you've got quite strong opinions <laughs> but I, never I, <laughs> but I wanted to know what it was like they say something peaked somebody what was that thing or was was it was there a point where was there something that happened and you thought that I need to get involved in this debate the thing that got me involved in the debate, and again, I probably wouldn't say peaked, um, you know, trans people have been part of my life forever. So it has actually been quite hard for me to step in and speak up because, you know, as soon as you do, it's split into two sides of a very mm-hmm. vicious culture war. But the thing that um, made me speak up was in Ireland, Amnesty promoted, published and promoted promoted a letter which had been written by Transgender Equality Network Ireland, Mm -hmm. which demanded that the media and politicians deny legitimate representation to people who believe that there are two sexes. Um, 
and and that letter was a lot more than that. It was very authoritarian in its language. It wanted mm. to silence people. It was saying people didn't have a political right to speak up. And it, it also did another thing which would be hard for people outside Ireland maybe to understand how painful this was for me. But it also did a thing of saying that people who were speaking up were outsiders, foreigners, and they actually meant kind of English. Right. Um, and uh, my grandfather founded Amnesty and my great grandfather oh. was executed in 1916 by the British Army for for um, right. his part in the 1916 Rising. And his wife, well, ex-wife at the time, who's my great grandmother, wow. um, was actually born British, the daughter of a British army colonel, but she fought, fought for both people in poverty in Ireland, political prisoners in Ireland, and for mm. the Irish state all of her life. And so there was just something so divisive in that letter. So, so which part of Ireland was this? I'm in the South, the Republic of Ireland. Right, okay. So you, you've got, forgive my ignorance about the politics of, I, I only know like what you would know from an English perspective. So I, no that, problem. That, that was really fascinating. It's something I didn't know about you. And so do you think that, this idea that that you know the way that you were sort of it feels like you were sort of told a way to think from a, a governing body somewhere else it was like it it was like um this set of ngos that decided there's a legitimate way to think mm. about things and that is that gender is what's important and i totally buy that gender is important and i think mm. everybody should be able to express their gender the way they want to yeah but you know, I don't think we can say that sex is not important. Sex equally is important. Mm. And what happens then, you know, Ireland brought self-ID back in, in in the end of 2015, early 2016, and I supported it at the time because right. I felt any, it was right. But has there been any negative consequences of that self-ID? Well, there is the issue of um, violent trans women in prison. And I know not all women, mm. not all trans women are violent, clearly mm. not at all. But uh, there is one very particularly violent trans woman uh, in women's prison in Limerick. And that just needs to be discussed. And we need but, to work out how to house different prisoners. Mm. All of these things just need to be discussed. It's not a but, blanket. All trans no, no, women I, should be in male estate. Now, I can appreciate that as an instance, as a, a safeguarding issue within a particular, because that's what that's an individual case. But the problem I have is when people use those individual cases in arguments about self-ID overall outside of prisons and in real life. So the ordinary trans woman, the average, but they're not going to go up. We know there are violent and nasty people out there. They're not just in prisons. They're all over the place. Self-ID isn't going to make any difference to that. And I find that people weaponize these debates and use the word, you know, prisons, toilets, uh, sports, like I've said before, and they they become performative arguments. That I mean, they're very important. Don't get me wrong. In those particular instances where they are happening, that's important to those people. But overall, as a society, um, it's very specific to to one set of individuals. But people will use those arguments as a weapon to, for all at all trans people. I agree that that those arguments are used as a weapon, hmm. but, but there is but, a kernel. But, but, 
but, that's but let me but let me finish this one Frida. there's mm. a kernel of of core importance in those arguments so under equality legislation in ireland and i i don't I mean, I, I sort of know the UK situation, but not so well. But under equality legislation in Ireland, it is possible to protect same-sex spaces, both for men and for mm -hmm. women. So that means that uh, for certain kinds of things, so intimate care. Mm -hmm. So if I want to go to, which I don't really want to, but I ought to <laughs> go for, you know, postnatal right. physiotherapy. Right. I do want to be able to say I want an actual woman to do but, that. But yeah. You, you and that I can do under current Irish equality law. But, However, self-ID has made that complex. And because they didn't figure those things out properly under self-ID, they uh, now need to rewrite the laws to manage these things. Right. That's I, what the argument is about. I, I could understand. Yeah, that is a real concern. If you're a woman and you want only women, and, and there's a obviously if somebody is trans, there's a pathway of being trans. There's a sliding scale of where you start being trans. And it's very nebulous in that sense but what is that was... why you call the podcast gender nebulous yeah well, it's, okay it's just because i like that word i think because it because I, I was thinking of gender fluid but i thought no that sounds wrong <laughs> but um i was going to say to what you said see because i work in a medical setting and there will be instances where i'm I, I will be with a vulnerable person who may be female and I've got to be careful um, and I've got to be mindful of the fact that if she she's just going to assume I'm female. Now, if she has specific needs and the specific safeguarding connected with that person, I will get back up. I will say, look, I need another person, another lady, another another female member of staff to, to be with this person as well. And, and that is not me rejecting, saying I don't want to care for that person. It's re it's respecting their reality. You know what I mean? So 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 if somebody said to me, I don't want you because you're trans, I said, fine. <laughs> it might take you a little bit longer to get care. But if that's what you want, that's that I should not be the person to say you have to have me because if you don't no, no nobody's ever going to do that in a medical. No, state. but the I, problem, I, the problem is I, I don't agree with you that nobody's ever going to do it. You see, and once the law is in place, then it's discrimination to say I but, don't but, want you because you're trans. It depends. I suppose if, if there isn't those exceptions still under law, yeah, then I, then it can't be upheld. Yeah, yeah I understand. Well, what, what I'm trying to say is that if somebody said to me. I don't want you to care. I don't want your help because you're trans. Then I'm not going to push that. But but I don't think people should legitimately be able to say to you that they don't want your help because they're trans, other than in very defined circumstances, right? Mm. Because you're entitled to equality protections as well. Yeah. So and and it is just in these very defined circumstances. So I think a rape crisis center should be able to have. Yes. A same sex group as well as mixed gender groups yeah. or same gender groups, right? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think. But if we don't maintain the, uh, the equality protection around sex as a characteristic, as opposed to mm. um, conflating it with gender, then we can't do those things. But the problem with that is, like, say if something happened to me, say I was, uh, I, mean, I mean, I could be sexually assaulted in public Absolutely. and I have to go. And so where would I go? You know, I mean, but, but I, I mean, the, the, the women I know who work in rape crisis, who are concerned about not being able to offer same sex groups mm -hmm. want to support you as well. Like yeah. that's that's not an issue. Right. But, 
but I, I understand. So, so the point you're making is like, say, if women need specifically female only spaces, sometimes, right? But in in a in that in that argument has to come the question that if I'm fully, you know, um. I'm legally female. I present as female. I can. I'm. I'm subject to the same systemic misogyny. I could be subject to the same sex crime. Then, if I need help, where do I go? But I'm not saying have exclusive female-only spaces. I'm saying that we right. need to reserve but, some spaces. But, but we also know that there is so much underfunding. There's just not enough space. I mean, these things. Are well, welcome so... to womanhood. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is, you know, we know, but we know where the problems lie and it's not, the problems don't lie in trans women. The problems lie in systemic misogyny and the lack of funding and the lack of the government understanding what women's needs are. Oh, no, they understand perfectly well. They understand perfectly well. So, you know, that's, for instance, why maybe it's okay to fund HRT for trans people. But if you fund HRT, what you call HRT for trans women, I probably wouldn't. But if you fund HRT for menopausal women, that means you're going to have to pay for it for every woman, right? That's a much bigger population. So you know, you know, there are there are lots of uh, things that impact mm. women that aren't just to do with uh, structural mm. misogyny against feminine stereotypes. You know, yeah. women lose their jobs, have pay cut, even yeah. despite the fact that employment law shouldn't allow this after they have mm. babies. But are, are these the fault of trans women? No, of course not. And mm. and I don't think any woman is saying they're the fault of trans no, but, women. But the, what we're saying is there's specific things about being right, a woman, right, about being yeah, a woman yeah. that can't be erased. I hear that you, you don't want to erase those things fully, right? No, no. no. Or I, even I, at all. I, I would like to think that a high tide lifts all boats. So when women fight for things, they're also fighting for, you know, all women. It's like, I, I, even though we've, we can establish that I wasn't born female and I didn't opt into being trans, there are certain rights that, that all women should have based on gender, not sex. I'm happy to agree with that. And then I'm saying there are a specific set of rights that women should have based mm. on sex. But don't, right? you want to, don't you want to also see that people, certain people in the media, I'm not going to get you to comment on individuals, but I will say someone like Helen Joyce and Maya Forstarter, they are weaponizing these debates and they, they're not actually doing anything for women. They're not actually doing anything for women on the ground or in rape crisis centers or in healthcare or in anything. What they're, the whole their own mission seems to be to exclude trans women now that's that if that's the if that's what they want to do great you crack on and you try and you know you, you if you if you want to say women uh, trans women are men you say that but don't try and drag a load of people along with you on a moralistic argument that's my point I'm just going to say that you would be surprised but Helen is very pragmatic and she is the very person who said that you know women on the gender critical side are going to need to wake up and be prepared to make compromises because we do have to work these things out. Well, we and, have... you know, you and I believe, I think, that we all need to make compromises because you've accepted that there are instances where women should have, uh, for dignity reasons or well, for other well, reasons, have things that are related to their sex. But, well, what it comes... Well, of course, sex. If, if if you say sex matters, what you're saying is I have the real... I have to understand that my body is different to your body 
because of genetics. That's and like when the because I I had a letter from my doctor last week asking me to go for a smear test, and I'm like I had to ring him up and say, look, don't don't waste people's time. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not coming for a smear test. But this is the kind of thing that's the difference, you know. So, but isn't that why it's a little bit daft that we can't recognize sex and gender? No, we can recognize sex and gender, and 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 I've. Uh, but but the whole and I don't. I'm not going to use the word ideology, um, because I don't really like that ideology word very much either, and I also don't like ideologies on on principle. No. But uh, it is certainly the case that um, LGBTQ politics has advocated for the erasure of sex in these things, um, right? I don't... Stonewall has. Do and the like... same here in Ireland with our with our LGBTQ right. yeah. Uh... yeah I can I can I can understand it because like I, I hear I, is that your dog bark? <laughs> <laughs> I think your dog's gender critical. Um what I was gonna say, you know you hear these stories about you know women referred to as uh, you know pregnant people uh, uterus have a I don't know it's you, insulting but I don't really think that I mean that that's a very sort of tabloid kind of no but it report. really hurts Frida you see I, I I think you really I understand how hurt you are by by the rhetoric and the the shouting and the viciousness but I think sometimes that that trans people don't understand how very hurt women feel to. Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm not saying I'm not empathetic. That's what I was saying. I would be if if I felt like I was being referred to in a, a pejorative way, then obviously if you don't want to be called a pregnant person. But I don't I the women because I work in hospital, I work for the ambulance service, I'm in and out of hospitals all the time. And we just refer people refer to each other the way they prefer to be referred to. Now, and that's what should happen. But sometimes in literature, in you know, pamphlets and things the NHS put out that have stonewall advice, they might just put, you know, pregnant people. And it's not because they're trying to hurt women. It's because they're trying to include as many people as they can. I know, but the, it this would just is, be inclusive to say women and other Yeah, but this people. is why they have, they have language, they have pamphlets in Urdu and they have pamphlets in Braille. It doesn't mean... Yeah, take... and I expect in Urdu, do they? they don't say pregnant people because they understand that people in Urdu won't have a clue what they're fucking talking about. And well, there's also people who are reading English who don't have a clue what they're Well, I don't know about, about that. I mean, that might suggest that people who speak Urdu are not being that not is trans. not what I intended to suggest, and I think you know that. But no, but but people in people who speak Urdu can also be trans, and people that are, you know, what I was saying is what the point I'm trying to make is that when people put out pamphlets and literature, uh, they do it in diff in in as as inclusive way as possible. And but that is actually not the best public health approach. The best public health approach is to do leaflets and education hmm. specific specifically for targeted groups. Yeah. That need to hear the information in certain ways yeah, um, and so abusing if you want to hear what's performative is is pregnant people is performative that yeah, is but, generally performative but i can understand why they would say that because obviously trans men could be pregnant and it's going to be it's a yeah very... trans men can be pregnant but like let's really be honest here how many trans men exactly yeah so, so so really yeah you, you are and right. the men the trans men that are getting pregnant have to do this in a very very conscious way which is coming off testosterone mm. returning to having a menstrual cycle and well, trying to get pregnant yeah I, well i don't know too much about that well uh, i do because i know a lot more about trans men than i do about trans women okay well i 
I'll uh, adhere to that. But what I'm saying is that the I, I do agree with you that these things are performative, maybe, and they do they do lean too heavily into what people might call political correctness. And that and political correctness isn't a negative thing, but it can seem patronizing to certain people. I think sometimes it can seem performative, but absolutely that things we that that absolutely uh public health should be targeting different mm. communities. But I think with it's health messages. Another thing is we've got layers and layers of managers and sub managers and they they sign things off and they probably just not really thinking about the people they're actually serving. And that's a that's not a problem of trans people, that's not a problem of women it's just a problem of the the whole kind of culture that we live in yeah but 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 at the heart of it is this core thing around the erasure of sex yeah. from a from a, a policy and yeah. legal perspective right so and so what women who are a certain class of feminists um who believe that sex is material as i do because i've experienced it as being material in my life i've experienced discrimination based on the fact that i'm a woman not a feminine stereotype uh, so and i've also experienced sexual violence and i've needed to make use of of mm. uh those kind of spaces but i don't think i owe the public the stories of my trauma to explain no. why i wish to be uh examined by a woman why i wish to mm. go to a female therapist i don't think i i owe society explanations of my trauma for that i think i should have that protection simply because i'm Oops. a woman however i think trans people should have absolutely all of the protections in society for employment for everything and then there is just this tiny tiny portion collision of rights tiny collision that should be sorted out mm -hmm. but people in authority as such aren't willing to take responsibility for that because they don't want to deal with anger from both sides yeah. and so they're just kind of coasting through hoping that you know enough people will shut up and uh that these I things don't... won't really be a problem well you should never shut up you know and and I, I agree with you there but the problem like I said before especially on Twitter, it's very hard to have a reasonable conversation about it's impossible this. impossible because, because Because obviously there's a very adversarial trans side and then there's a an adversarial, what we call, what you could call turf side or whatever you want to call it. And and a lot of those people, they're not... I just call it women's rights side. I, well, there <laughs> but are, it's there, not all women's rights. I, I, are, I will agree with you on that. I'm sure there are people like you that are genuinely, you know, I... I, I I don't doubt that you have these genuine concerns, but there are also people on the on the right who are co-opting these issues because they just want to they just want trans people not to exist. Yes, there are. And, and, well, I don't know that they. I, I I'm not sure that they want trans people not to exist as well, such. I, I could, but they want you. all people who are not conforming to certain uh, specific requirements, which mm. is which will include trans people. It'll include same sex attracted people. It'll include same gender attracted people. It mm. will include lone mothers. It will include people who are, you know, maybe mentally ill. It'll include all sorts of things. So, I mean, but my, my, my... people on the far right are not our friends at all. Oh, no. But my proposition to you is that trans women are not the enemy. They're not the problem in this. I don't think trans women are the enemy. 
but you... that's why I'm happy to talk to you. I don't think of you as an enemy at all. No, no. Well, on a personal level, but when no, I don't even mean on a. I mean on a general level. I don't think trans women are the enemy, but I think that this move to, uh, like I say, erase sex. So if we can have sex and gender as mm. protected characteristics, and we resolve where there are these collisions, then we would all be okay. I think. Well, I think. Like the, when I, when I first started to sort of interact with you a little bit, I noticed you were sharing things that were quite on the very sort of turfy side of things, and I wasn't turf sure if, is a slur. But I wasn't sure if you were doing that to provoke, or or you wanted to start a debate around that. But you you are you do lean into that, and that's why I wanted to talk to you because you, when you lean into that, you lean into trans exclusion, and I, I can't get away from that. I can't not bring that up with you because that that would mean I'm ignoring the reason I wanted to talk to you in the first place. So so when you do share things that are definitely, you know, they seek to ex- to demonize trans people, then why do you do that? Do you do that because Well, I mean, I'm not going to be hauled over the coals for my Twitter and I'm not going to hold you over the coals for your Twitter or some of the right. things you say and do. Oh, don't uh, do that. <laughs> No, I say I ha- I will admit to you I have been pretty nasty on Twitter and I regret some of the things I've said on Twitter. But it's because I think when 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 you're constantly bombarded with you know these kind of the same things all the time, you sort of build up this kind of shell and, and you fire these things off and and I get that and and you know so you you have to offer me the same thing I don't think I am I I genuinely really try very hard not to be nasty on Twitter I try never to personalize things I have certainly said things about Eddie Izzard that I will never take back because I absolutely think Eddie Izzard is I think he's harmful to trans people as well as as, I I, I think Eddie Izzard is who she is and if she wants to be she that's fine by me but I understand that you know she can I, I say she because she wants to be known as she but I've known Eddie Izzard as he for the longest time and it and I kept making the mistake of calling him he and and but it's because it's sort of a thick fixed thing in your mind but I, I don't know if Eddie Izzard is a positive figure I don't know I just listen to some of the things she says and I think that that sounds all right but whether she's a well I noticed that he chooses to be a man for high paid movie roles and no. as a middle-aged woman or an older woman, those roles are not available to women because of structural. Yeah, misogyny. but that's not Eddie's fault. <laughs> no, but Eddie leans into it, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he can choose. Yeah, so you're saying he chooses to act male when it suits him. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Well, like, yeah, I can agree with you there. And uh, but, you, but tra- you are saying you're a trans woman and that you, you, I mean, and of course you could, decide not to be at some stage maybe I don't know but for you that is a fairly permanent identity I feel in talking to you yeah but I would I mean I always say nobody's ever sure of anything 100% ever well I I think that's true too and And I think I also think that that's one of the problems with this whole Mm. gender discourse is that we've tried to lock people into gender expressions as well you've got to to understand that people do opt in to a political stance whereas 
people don't necessarily opt into being trans. It's just innate. Yeah, but trans people opt into political stances as well. So so I know many trans people who don't agree with the political stance of, of a lot of the trans activists, mm. you know. Well, I don't. I and don't. they haven't opted into, they haven't opted into some of the politics of, of well, LGBTQ ca- politics at the moment. Yeah. I've been called out by other trans women for the things I've said. And the things I've said tend to centre around the fact that, yes, I am different. I'm not a woman in the sense that you are a woman. And I acknowledge that difference because it there will be moments when that's important. But the thing and another thing is, like, I mean, I use words like tranny and, you know, and I get in trouble for that all the time. But that, that's that's just my way of talking about myself. I'm not I would never aim that at somebody else. But I think. When, and why when, do you use the word tranny? Because I find it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I call myself a mad tranny all the time. But I, I spent I spent a lot of my time being a drag queen when I was younger. And and, and that world is full of vicious humour. And it certainly know, is full of and, vicious humour. But but you see, I when I came out as trans, one thing that did strike me as interesting is a lot of the gay men I knew said, No, you're not, you're not trans. Because it kind of made them doubt whether they were gay. <laughs> because they said, Well, you can't be a woman because you're a boy. <laughs> you know, and it was like, well, why not? <laughs> but I know I understand these things are really uh, is it there's there's a point where they come they verge on the ridiculous. There is, and I think if more of us could talk about those points with some sense of humor and some graciousness, we actually might make it someplace. Yeah. Twitter but... is not that place, right? We can accept that Twitter is not that place. Um and you know, no. when you asked <laughs> When I talk to you, I was like, oh, yeah, well, the, <laughs> but the, I'm happy to talk to you. Well, um, you. We had some nice chats on the on Twitter and I thought, you know, you weren't nasty. And, but you, you, we disagree, I think. On, we do. We disagree profoundly on lots of things. I think because I've, I, I, I was going to call you out on some of your tweets, but I've decided now I'm not going to do that because you could call me out on a lot of <laughs> tweets. And but but. The, the point I wanted to make is that trans women as a class of whatever it is, wherever we are, we are very defensive on Twitter because there are so few of us, really. And we all we want is to be because because hate crime is a real thing. Like I, I, I could be singled out. But I mean, I've been I've been approached by men in clubs. And, a, and it's been like a sexual harassment kind of situation. And when they realize I'm trans, it becomes this aggressive situation. And 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 I think this is why we we, we kind of build these defense mechanisms. So when people come at us and say, because there are a lot of people, you know, you know, you'll watch like GB News and talk TV. And there are a lot of talking points about trans people all the time, trans this, trans that. And I'm thinking, why is everybody talking about us? You know, because it's this culture war thing that's going on. And and, I mean, I've experienced hate crime too and I'm never going to diminish the impact on on us of that and you know obviously I'm you know I walking down the street by myself don't experience hate crime but I've experienced hate crime walking down the street with my lover Mm. and you know I'm often with very butch women and when Mm. when people realize that's a woman like me with a woman like that that can cause very similar kinds of aggression. Well, people are making assumptions. What you're describing, 
And it makes us all as humans feel like nothing and worthless and like mm. the, that we have no value. And so it's really horrible. Uh, so I absolutely understand how very hard it must be mm. being trans on Twitter. Mm. But, but I think we lean into it as well because some I'm quite gobby, you see. There's some people, yeah, you are. There will be there will, there will be people who are trans. You'll never know they're trans. They'll never even think about it politically. They'll just get on with their lives and blah blah blah. But for people like me, we sort of lean into the politics of it, and it's not because we just want to argue with people. It's because we feel there's something worth fighting for, and it's kind of this kind of. I think it's a human need to to sort of be present in the world as your authentic self, whatever that is. So, so, so when you- And been... I, I'm really, and I really get that. And but I when... think, I think the thing that, 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 that you have to get as well is that, that that is the same for a lot of women. Oh yeah. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying so that... we're So it's like two sides of the same coin. So I think we all have to look at structurally what's going on and who benefits from this culture mm. war, right? Yeah, I think also... And I don't think it's trans women that benefit from the culture war or trans men, but I don't think it's women either. I think another thing is that I've been thinking about recently is a lot of trans women don't, or trans people don't... Women transition all the time through their lives anyway. Do you know what I mean? From puberty to maybe if you go through... um, If you have children, then you've got menopause. You do go through lots of transition and these are real transitions and then they're hormonal transitions they change you the way you feel about yourself and i think that is something because when people talk about transition it's a very it's a a very literal thing when you're talking about trans people because we're we're electing to change our bodies We, we we don't have to i mean there are trans women that will never have any surgeries and never take hormones they're just happy you know identifying as female so you do opt into that. You do opt in. You, the doctor will say, do you want to take hormones? And you'll have a decision. You'll go, go on then. And then they'll say, well, these are the side effects. This is the pros and cons. And you make a decision. And so, so, but, but, but like, I think one of the conflicts is women don't opt into that. They have these hormonal fluctuations. I mean, I know, I know men have some hormonal fluctuations. Yeah, but not the same. But but women are they transition all the time, and I think that's something that some trans people don't appreciate. I don't know if that's something that makes any sense, but it does, and and I think that is part of what what that we at times feel is being erased by mm. breaking us out into these but different not... aspects mm. of our reproductive systems. Yeah. Yeah, you know, cause... you know, when people say pregnant person, you know, the point for me is that I. Whether I have a child or not, and I do have children, but whether I had children or not, I have been in relationship to the fact that my body from the time I start menstruating at the mm. age of 14 or 15, that I can become pregnant mm-hmm. until I finally yeah. stop menstruating. Yeah. And, and that mm. is a, a thing that is very large in our psyches because we have to protect ourselves against becoming pregnant when it won't work for us. So we have to deal with what happens if we don't want to carry a pregnancy to term. We have to deal with our children that we raise and that came out of our bodies. That's, this is a really fundamental experience. And and that's, and then people come up with these stupid things. And I know that's Twitter, but stupid things on Twitter, are you saying a woman who hasn't had a baby isn't a woman? And it's like, yeah, I know. know. 
yeah, I can understand that frustration. And and also, um, like, this is why what I think is meant by sex matters, because your, ge- your, your, your gender, you know, you can opt into, I suppose, whereas your sex is you know you don't have much choice about that and None. and 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 your your experience is defined by it and so so when somebody's going to come along and take that away and say look um no it's just gender uh, you don't you know that that is a real problem i can see that but but i still maintain that when people direct this stuff at trans women it's not trans women that's the problem it's systemic misogyny it's a, it. I mean, we, you might have arguments with trans women online because of it, but that's because they are also, you know, frustrated about their situation. It's not because they hate. Any I think there is. I think there is a, a systemic misogyny that dislikes feminine presentations yeah. as such. So I think there is that, but there is also this thing that. You know, I suppose I think that comes out of a misogyny towards women based on their sex. But I think in and you can correct me from your experience of the gay male community. But I think in the gay male community, uh, women who present or men who present as sort of femi, whatever. I don't know what what words you would use are Mm. not uh, revered as men who present as masculine. And I can tell Mm. you in the women's community that butch women are much more revered than femme women, right? Right. So there is this, there is this um, prizing of, I suppose, some idea of masculinity in the world and a dis, uh, like a debasing of some idea of femininity and that this creates lots of problems for all of us mm. men women trans women trans men etc i mean i must say some of the worst misogyny i've ever heard has come out of the mouths of gay men and and i don't know i why, agree I, and i think there's a lot of straight allies out there that don't understand that because mm. uh, i mean there was a there was a really bitchy post on twitter recently they were laughing at some russian woman's hairstyle because she was this very brutal looking <laughs> russian woman you know, very stern looking with this crazy kind of bouffant hair. And that was the first woman in space. And they didn't know that. And they were laughing at that woman's looks. I was like, you've got no fucking idea what you're talking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've seen lots of misogyny from gay men. Um, yeah, but that's not a, all gay men, of course. Oh, but, no, you, no, you've got, you've always got. But as a class or as a, you know, as a thing in the culture, it's there. But uh, yeah, I think, so I, I think. I, from this conversation can I just say and it was funny because I was also talking to a trans man recently and who who fully passes and lives his life as a man and uh he was talking about Jesus you've no idea how men talk about women when there's no women around so yeah. I'm assuming that that I've only heard that misogyny from gay men because I've been around gay men and I haven't been in all straight men company without a woman being present so um that misogyny is very rife and I do agree that it impacts trans women as mm. well but yeah. it's still the fact that sex matters mm. gender matters too but sex matters but I think as as socially in the social work and the professional world and your social life and your relationship it is gender that we interact with because all all, our, all of our language is gendered you know every kind of word to describe a woman and every word to describe a man is based on gendered language you know well you could say it's based on sexed language but it, it but it but it's not because you've got like you know you've got bloke lad 
um, fella, bitch, woman, girl, you know, all these different words are gendered. They're not based on your sex. They're based on a per personality kind of gender. I think... You don't... Well, what I'm saying is you, when you meet somebody, you don't interact with their sex. You interact with how they present to you. And we're, we're, we're sensory beings. So we look at somebody and we, we scan them up and down and we go, yeah, she. <laughs> or, and, if that, and if it's natural for you to say she or her or miss or madam, you will. Because we're working on a sensory level. We're not looking at... But I think, our, I think our primary sensory level is reacting to the sex of the person. But we don't know the sex of the person, do we? By I think a lot of the time, like a lot of the time in the interactions we do, and I've been, like, I've lived a lot in very genderqueer communities where mm. we're... Uh, but you with, and been, you know, what, what we would have called passing women back in I the see. day. So women who pass as men on first glance but I still know they're a woman very quickly but, and I like that yeah <laughs> so oh. so I I don't agree with you that it's it's just gender but I do agree that for some people gender is the most important thing mm. but you see you and me we like gendered expressions right yeah. you, you yeah. like to express your gender I like to express gender and mm. um, I don't you know but there are people for whom gender doesn't read very much. So can, and I ask, so, can I ask you, would appearing butch appeal to you? Would you would would that be something? Me no, I'd get told gender dysphoria if I have to wear a hoodie. Really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, sorry, I had to ask. Uh, so No way. I like I literally I literally couldn't do it. Like back in the day of the early drag king shows in San Francisco, and I was helping my friends dress up as drag kings to win. Wow. Uh, and uh, they're like, come on, Isolt. I'm like, no way. Mm. No way. So you're a very feminine kind of, well, you know, however you want to present. But so, well, so I would say I'm very femme. But do I don't think... think that means like, mm. you know, I just think that that doesn't mean I buy into a whole bunch of dumb stereotypes. Mm. That's true. But I, was gonna but say I want to express my gender in certain ways. Mm. How, you do you know? feel, how do you feel about this idea that, I've heard said that like women that would have been butch, like who present as butch, be happy to be women, but but and now girls might be, you know, influenced maybe to be trans. So I've heard this said that, you know, in the past, you know, tomboys would be tomboys and that they'd be happy with that. But now there's this gender thing that's kind of as if it's kind of promoted online and stuff. So some girls are gonna opt in to wanting to be boys. I just wondered if you thought that was a reality or that's just I, I do I do think it's reality, but I, I I think that some 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 girls who might initially present butch may also want to be trans men and that's a valid choice too. But I think when the culture pushes it pushes it one way, it sort of makes it like it doesn't seem there's an option. And so I I do work with adolescents and young people and I have talked to young people who have felt pushed down gender pathways when and weren't given you know you can't be what you don't see right mm. you know so if all we see is the option for a sort of a mask presenting girl is to become trans and she doesn't see role models of butch lesbians who are happy in themselves yeah. she can't become that so it's just how do we create it so that 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 pathway and choice is there so 
you know, I don't believe... I, I don't believe that all but all women who once lived as butch lesbians who transitioned have done so incorrectly either. Right. I know many who have and enjoy yeah. their lives, right? So I just yeah. think these things are complex. It is complex. So I don't buy into all of those talking points that it's all one thing or another. It's yeah, sort, of, I... sort of like we swung around to to where uh, sort of rigid gender st- gender stereotypes are almost enforced by by yeah. this I just, new um, gender as opposed to allowing us to be nebulous about gender yeah and i think it would be great if we could be gender nebulous we didn't have to be so religious <laughs> yeah. about gender well that's why i call the podcast so me and vicky well yeah, i like I'm, that name yeah. i'm i'm well, see, really re- rolling reason, with it the, see the reason for me i mean i i don't because re- i don't know if i conform to any stereotypes because my when i was growing up one of my heroes was calamity jane <laughs> and I just cool. love, I love, but I and and when she put the frock on at the end, I was really disappointed <laughs> 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 because I thought there's a woman. Because a lot of my female kind of the women that I, I used to love Ruby Wax, I still love Ruby Wax, and the reason I like Ruby Wax because she was this really sort of she wasn't feminine, but she was beautiful and she was funny, and I loved that about her, and I like female comedians, I think, because of that. And it's just, and it's just because they, they're not, they're not, they're not self-deprecating, but they understand that their femininity is, you know, something they can wear or take off. And that appealed to me when I was young. So female, like somebody like Jenny Eclair, somebody like Ruby Wax really appealed to me. One of my favorite comedians of all time, it was Hilda Baker. I don't even know who Hilda Baker is. Oh, she was she was from Bolton, and she was like this was in the nineteen sixties. So she was one of the first solo female comedians. She came out of the musical (laughs) tradition. Oh, I think your dogs. Yeah. So I think we've covered quite a lot there, and 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 you didn't shout at me. (laughs) You didn't shout at me though. You kept calling me a turf. (laughs) You didn't call me a man in a dress. But you are naughty on Twitter, you know. You I know. am, but so are you. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. I mean, I, I didn't want you to think I was trying to, you know, coax you into saying, you know, I'll try and trap you. No, in. look, that was a good conversation, I think. So, well, thank you for doing it. And hopefully we'll stay in touch on Twitter. And Well, maybe we'll stay in touch in real life. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything you want to ask me before we go? <sighs> no. <laughs> I mean, off the podcast, right? Not not recorded. What's that? Um, just just you know, what what was the transition for you like, having been sort of a gay man drag, and then going to to being a trans woman? Did you lose friends? Did you lose community? I did a little bit because I had to pull myself away from what was quite an intense, uh, kind of drug fueled world. <laughs> where I wasn't it wasn't good for my mental health for a while and um and it's like it's quite a lot my transition story is quite long because my mom took me to a gen uh, my mom took me to a child psychologist when I was 17 because I kept saying I wanted to be my sister so uh, you had gender dysphoria for a long time yeah but I the way I expressed myself was by going out at the weekend and then I'd, I'd, I'd have a regular job in the week and at the weekend I would be I'd, I'd, I'd be this amplified kind of ridiculous version of a woman well that's on that's not sustainable is it no 
So it kind of it burnt me out a little bit. So yeah, but so you 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 had you had sort of longer term gender dysphoria, and so mm, for you transitioning has really worked. But I've also had relationships with women. Like I'd say I'm bisexual because I had a long relationship with a girl, but I I she wanted things out of life. I don't think I was going to be able to give her, and she, and I realized that, and she realized that because we just became mates. <laughs> but yeah, so. And to, I mean, I'm bisexual. So are you sort of straight down the line bisexual or? or? I tend to prefer men. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a lot of, I like. I think women for companionship. Like I go on holidays and nights out with girls, but if it comes down to the, like, the actual mechanics of sex, <laughs> you know, with, without being too blunt, that I think that's, that is men, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I prefer butch women. That's what I like best. But okay, <laughs> whatever. Okay, um, well, we got a bit personal at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask you anything like that, honestly. But you know. Um. So, are, are you in a, a relationship with a woman? Or... Just broke up about oh, two months ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, bummer, dude. Well, are you you happy with your little dogs? <laughs> yeah, happy with my little dogs. Um. Yeah. Right. Well, Look, life life's weird at times. Look, you know what? It was fun to talk to you, and we both look. That was good. Look, we, you know, <laughs> right. we probably both get attacked. Well, it was lovely to talk to you, and thanks for doing it. And um, I'm gonna get something to eat now because I'm starving. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.